0: Happy Easter. Have a seat. What a morning. I think we're just making up for last year, right? Since we weren't able to gather together last year, we're just making up for it, right? Well, great. Well, my name's still Matt. If you if you walked in after I had introduced myself, my name's Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View Church and so glad that you're here with us. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to First Corinthians chapter 15. We're gonna be in verses one through eleven this morning. Oh man, well, this is an awesome day. Today, we celebrate the miracle, the supernatural work of the resurrection. Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead the third day. Millions of people all over the world are celebrating with us. What a day. We serve a God who is all about bringing things back to life. A God who's a ransomer, a God who's a redeemer. This is the God that we serve. Have you ever felt like your life was just too big of a mess? Have you ever felt like maybe you went down that road you shouldn't have gone down years ago, and you're just plodding along, and you're just, the life, life is just what it is. I mean, it's it's just where it's at, and, and, it, and you're just, you're just going to leave it there. Maybe it's just, life is just too much of a mess to do anything about it. I've talked to so many people and invited so many people to come to church, and a lot of times one of the things I, I hear from them is that, oh, I'll I come to church. I, I plan on it, Pastor, once I get my life put together. i mean, I, I got to get my life put together to come to church. So many times I hear people say that. But I want to tell you today that only God can straighten out your life. Only your creator can reveal to you, open your eyes to show you the destiny and the goodness that he has for you. And he doesn't just straighten it out. He wants to give you new life, a fresh start, a strength, and a a steadiness that can only come from your creator. If you feel that way, if you struggled in life, if you're wondering what your tomorrow holds, if you're wondering if you have a destiny, today's sermon is just for you. And it's for me too. Let's pray before we read God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We recognize it as God breathed. It is more than just words on paper. But this is your word to humanity. This is truth. This is our foundation. We recognize it as the authority in our lives. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, come and make the truths of these words come to life in our hearts and in our lives today for your glory, for your kingdom, and for our good. We submit to your will, Father, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's jump right in here, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 starts out like this, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. You might want to underline that, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word, I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. I'm going to stop right there. Really, really important stuff that Paul's laying out right here. the first fill-in in your notes today, as you came in, you should have received a program. And there there's three blanks you can follow along that way if you'd like. But that first blank is this: We need to hold fast to the gospel. Hold fast to the good news of Jesus Christ. Remember the basics. That's really what Paul's getting at. Listen, all these things that we've talked about as we've studied through 1 Corinthians, that this church in Corinth that Paul's writing to, they had gotten distracted by so many things. There'd been false teachers come in. There's all these worldly things going on around them. They had a history of of, of worship, but it wasn't worship of the one true God. It was like this crazy worship that was in other temples and all kinds of bad things were going on there. And so they had all these different distractions. And Paul's like, Going, whoa, 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 wait a second. I need you to go back to the basics of the faith. The very foundation that you started from, the word that I preached you, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go back to that one thing. What happens when we forget the basics? What happens when we forget the basics? I I, I had all these video clips I was going to show at this point. What happens when a baseball player takes his eye off the ball? Even in the major leagues, right, I had this great clip of Jose Canseco going out in the outfield running after this ball, and it's against the Indians, by the way, too, and he's going for this ball. He kind of takes his eye off the ball because he trips over the, you know, the, the turf there, and the ball just goes right off the top of his head, and it's, like it's a home run, right, for the, other, for the Indians. When we take our eyes off the ball, we get hit in the end of the ball. We look silly. We, we do things that, that normally we wouldn't do. Jose Canseco being a, a professional baseball player, how do you miss a fly ball like that, right? He forgot the basics. He took his eye off the ball. And he looked silly and he made a huge mistake. Gave the other team a home run. That's what happens when we take our mind and our eyes off of Christ. When we take our mind and our eyes off of the good news of Jesus. Forgetting that that foundational basic truth that Jesus died for us. That he rose for us. There's a couple things that Paul gives us here that is to help us to hold fast to the gospel. The first one is this hear it. He says that we're to hear it. You hear preached. We need to hear it, not just once, but over and over. Paul is writing this to the church that had heard the gospel and really took it to heart. They could quote Paul and speak the gospel to others, but Paul was saying to them, in order to hold fast to the gospel, you need to hear it and hear it again. There's something special about the good news of Jesus Christ. There's something special about the gospel. There is New life, changing truth in the good news that God wants to reveal to us more and more. A fresh revelation of the gospel or good news. This is the unsearchableness of God. The power of the Holy Spirit and the revelation of Jesus that happens when we hear the gospel. God does something in us. Today we're celebrating this miraculous supernatural happening of Jesus coming back from the dead, the resurrection where he defeated death and he defeated sin for us. But there's other miracles and supernatural happenings that happen here in our lives as we gather together as a church. As we open God's word and we talk about these truths and we talk about the good news of Jesus, God does something in us that changes us. This is a supernatural, miraculous happening that as we read God's word, he says that his Holy Spirit will illuminate the words in his book that changes us and changes who we are. This is the miracle and the power of the Holy Spirit God in our lives today and right now. We need to hear it. That's what he's saying. If we're gonna hold fast to the gospel, we need to hear it and hear it over and over and over again. But he says there's other things we can do. The second one is this, we need to receive it. Receive it. We hear all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, Facebook, Instagram, the news channels. I mean, we hear all kinds of stuff. There's a difference between hearing and receiving something, right? We can hear it, but we need to receive it. Apply it to our lives. The good news and truth of God's word is alive and active in our lives and in our hearts. It is not just hearing it, but owning it owning it, applying it to our lives, submitting to His authority. This is the belief that God knows best. That our Creator knows what's best for His creation. This is a submission to His Word, a laying down of our lives because of the truth of the Gospel. It's a recognition that that Jesus wasn't just a man, just, wasn't just a prophet, but he was actually God in the flesh. And that as he walked this earth and lived his life and worked his miracles and did all that we have in the gospels in his life shown to us, that he was revealing to us God the Father, this miraculous, uh, unbelievable thing, this insight into who our God is. It's submitting to that truth, understanding who he is, applying that truth to our lives. It's not just words on a page, but it's life-changing, heart-shaping truth, and we receive it as truth, and that means something. It means something. To receive it means that we believe it, and belief actually determines actions. Our belief determines our actions. We do what we do because of what we believe. I do what I do because of what I believe. So what do you believe? It's a great question. What do you believe? Is there a God? If there is, what's He like? This gospel, this good news... Is a story of God who sent his Son for you and me. And in his perfect life, he modeled for us the perfect standard that God had set of perfection and righteousness. Jesus never sinned in thought or deed or action, whatever. He was perfect, living up to that righteous standard. He was kind, he was loving. And he spoke the truth with power. So many times in the scripture, we would see Jesus go to the lowest of the low in society. The cultural outcasts. He made made them his disciples. That's the kind of God we serve. He went to tax collectors and fishermen, uneducated. But then he went to the educated too. And he called them too. There was, there, was no, there was no lines with him. There was, there was no caste system with Jesus. He went, he went to, to people, the, the Jews would, would count as, as outcasts too, different people groups. He would go to Gentiles. There's a story in, in the Bible about Jesus and he goes to this woman at the well and he asks her for a drink of water. Now we hear that today and we're just like, oh, that's great, that's nice. Everybody needs water. But here's the thing. This woman at the well was a Samaritan one that Jews weren't even supposed to talk to them. They were the worst of the worst. They were unclean. You couldn't even touch them or you'd have to go through this whole cleansing ceremony craziness. And she was a woman. And in those days, men didn't just walk up to women and ask them for a drink of water. But Jesus goes and has this interaction with this woman at the well, this outcast, this, this one that no one would talk to. In fact, we find out during their conversation that she's had multiple husbands. She's an outcast from her community. She's come to this well in the heat of the day because that's when nobody else would be there because nobody wants to be around her. Nobody wants to see her. She is out on her own. She is lonely. She's a reject. And you know what Jesus does? You know what God does? He reveals one of the most impactful world-changing truths to one of the lowest most outcast people ever. He reveals to her who Jesus who God is looking for. The kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. He seeks worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. These are the kinds of worshipers the Father seeks, Jesus says. He tells her that, man, this water, you'll drink this and you're going to thirst again. But the water I'm going to give you, you will never thirst again. He reveals himself to her as the Messiah, as God's only son who came to die for the sins of the world. And this woman's life is changed. She's, she's blown away. She runs from the well, runs into the town and she goes, you're not going to believe this. I met the Messiah. He told me all the things that I had done wrong. He told me my sins. But He's told me who He is. The Messiah has come. Jesus is here. That's the kind of God we serve. This is the truth. This is the gospel. This is the beauty of who Jesus was and is for me and you. He loves you. Do you know that He loves you? Hear it receive it believe it apply it to your life and the last thing that paul gives us here to hold fast to the gospel is this is that we stand up for it we stand up for the gospel we stand for god's truth the gospel truth we are a people who speak up and speak out letting the world know that god has sent his only son jesus he lived a perfect life and thought and deed, and then died a sinner's death that you and I deserved. He took our place. He took the wrath of God the Father in our place. He died and was buried three days later and then rose from the grave, defeating death and sin, and has made a way for us to be in right relationship with our Creator once again. That by grace, through faith in Christ alone, we can be saved. You can be saved. There is nothing we can do to earn this. There's nothing we have achieved that would say that we deserve it. But it's God in his goodness and grace that has made a way for sinners like me and you to be saved. When we realize this, we cannot go on the way we have been. When we hear, receive, and stand up for the gospel, there's no way we can just go on with life as it is, the Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, and our weekends as they are. We become a changed people. Because here, you don't meet the creator of the universe and walk away the same person you were. It is impossible. It's impossible. God changes us. We are a people made aware of human sinfulness, the eternal consequences of sin. This goodness of God compels us to stand up and speak out, letting everyone we meet know that their creator loves them, died for them, lives for them, and has made a way for them too. Hear it, receive it, stand up for it, and hold fast to the good news of Jesus Christ. Keep the first thing first. Keep the gospel first. Check out where Paul goes next in verse 3. He says, For I delivered to you as of most importance, of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, that He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. Paul saying, listen, if you doubt the resurrection, he appeared to over 500 people. Just go talk to some of them. Go talk to them. Do the interviews. Study it. Go back. Talk to them. The second filling, you notice is this, is that Jesus died, was buried, and rose the third day. Doesn't get more basic than that, does it? The Christian faith. But here's what that means. The creator allowed his own creation to kill him. Now let's think about that for a second. The creator of the universe, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present allowed his creation to murder him. His lungs stopped breathing. His heart stopped beating. And life left his body. You can say this, he was a willing sacrifice. He could have stopped it at any moment, just snapped his fingers and been like, nope. Not doing it. But he didn't. The most powerful being in the universe and creator of all hung on a cross until he died. He didn't have to. He had the power to bring it all to an end at a moment, but he chose not to. In our place, he took our punishment. Who does this? Who does that? No other religions offer this. Our God fulfills the requirements of salvation for us. He set the standard and then he met the standard in our place. God knew I needed a drink of water. I was singing my lungs out there during worship. Our God fulfills the requirements of salvation for us. He set the standard, met the standard, and this is a free gift. It is a free gift for you. It's free, but it was paid at the greatest price. There's a story about a man who lived a really rough life. He stole from everyone he hurt so many people. In his neighborhood, no one would talk to him. He, he was feared by all. He was one of, the, one of those guys that you knew you didn't talk to. In fact, he was known to have done horrible things to people who even gave him wrong looks. He was one of the worst society had to offer. And as those stories go... The law eventually caught up to him. His trial was short, super, super short. He was convicted on all charges and convicted to death. Horrible, horrible story. I was reading that story and I was like, what good could come from a story like that? What good who come from a sin-filled thief's life. But then Jesus came. And he was hanging there beside him. This thief watched as the crowds looked at Jesus. He watched as the guards mocked him. But then he watched as the other guards recognized who Jesus really was. He listened when Jesus said, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. He witnessed it all firsthand. And God, in that moment, revealed himself to this thief, this sinner hanging on a cross. And he looked at Jesus and he said, you, you are the Messiah. In a moment, God changed the heart of one of the world's worst. And he does that still today. God loves you. If he wants to change your life and your destiny. In Luke 23, 39, that thief's story goes like this. One of those criminals, not the one I'm referring to, but one of those criminals who, who was there, hanged there. He railed at Jesus saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other thief rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, And we indeed justly. For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You want to see what a free gift of salvation looks like? There it is. What did this man do with his life? What good did this man do with his life? The worst of sinners. Only the worst of sinners hung on the cross. That's grace. That's mercy. Mercy. And that's the God that we serve. And that's the God who sent his only son to die for you. And he's saying to you right now, I love you. And there's nothing you've done to earn this love. There's nothing you can do to earn this love. I just love you. And you are mine. And I am yours. Do you know that God loves you? We don't know love like this. We just have shadows of it in our life. Maybe with our spouse or our kids. It's just a picture. Fuzzy. This divine love is calling to you right now. He's saying, I've made a way for you. That thief That sinner on the cross beside Christ is me and you. We deserve death. We deserve separation from God. But God in his great love has opened a door. Paul goes on to say in verse 9, and this is a huge statement. Knowing that Paul has written nearly two-thirds of our New Testament today, this is what he says about himself. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. Why? Well, he tells us, because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them But get this, what's he say? Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so we believed. And here's what I want you to know. And this is the last fill in in your notes today is this. God's grace is big enough to save you. God's grace is big enough to save you. Christ's death on the cross is big enough to save you. Christ's miraculous supernatural resurrection is strong enough and powerful enough to save you. Now we have to get the story here about this man who was called Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, Saul was horrible. This guy was like as against Jesus as you could possibly be. He was like a Pharisee of Pharisees. I mean, he followed the law letter by dot. I mean, every little bit of it. In fact, he wanted to make sure that everyone around him followed the law to a T. All of his T's were crossed. All of his I's dotted. He wanted to make sure everyone around him was following that law perfectly. So when Jesus showed up on the scene and this Christian church came up onto the scene, Paul or Saul wouldn't have it. He wouldn't have any of this grace, any of this free gift of salvation. What are you talking about? We have 360 some laws we follow. We are justified by our works. We legalistically follow every law and we do it right and we do it perfect. We do every sacrifice perfectly. That's how we are saved. He would have none of it. So he made it his life's goal to destroy the work of Christ. He went to the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the time. And he says, listen, put me in charge. I'll take care of it. I'll blow it out of the water. You'll never have to hear the word Jesus ever again. So they put him in charge. Saul of Tarsus would go across the land, destroying every church, putting them in prisons, in fact, murdering them. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, oversaw the stoning and murder of Stephen. That's who Saul of Tarsus was. A murderer and someone so anti-Jesus. It's all he lived for. But Saul of Tarsus was miserable under the law. He failed all the time, but putting on the mask of righteousness underneath was just another sinful man. But as far as the law was concerned, he was actually one of the best at it. But even the best rule follower still fails miserably at God's righteous standard. But Saul's pride wouldn't acknowledge it. No one could live up to Saul's standards, not even Jesus. In fact, He did all those terrible things. He was self righteous, self aggrandizing, obnoxious, legalistic Pharisee whose one goal was to destroy Christ's work and elevate himself to a higher status in the broken religious system of the time. Have you ever met anybody like that? Maybe they haven't murdered anybody physically, but verbally they talk about others' weaknesses and sins as if they were the worst. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so, what they did? Oh, yeah. I'd never do anything like that. They're the worst. They're the worst person. They make much of their small deeds of goodness and little of those good deeds other people do. They make little of their failures and sins and make much of everybody else's sins around them. That's kind of how Saul was. You see, we get into trouble when the good works that God does in us becomes something that we think we've accomplished. And we, we can all fall into it. When our good works cause us to pat ourselves on the back and be, oh man, I'm so glad I did that. I'm such a good person. Right? Oh man, I'm so good. When we began to pat ourselves on the back instead of falling on our knees and worship because of the work that Christ has done in us. What did Paul say there? Let's read that again. I worked harder than any of them. Sounds really prideful, but then he says this. But it wasn't me. (laughs) It's not me. But the grace of God that is with me. Paul cool thing about Paul he didn't struggle with this this forgetfulness of the gospel he knew that god saved Saul and changed his name to Paul gave him a new distant destiny and god wants to do the same thing for you and that's why we celebrate easter cuz he takes people like thieves on a cross who've done nothing with their lives but hurt others And he takes people like Saul of Tarsus, who've dedicated their lives to tearing down the works of Jesus Christ. He takes those kinds of people and he says, no. You are mine. I am changing your future. I am changing your destiny. I have something so much better for you. And I want you to know this. God has something so much better for you than what you're walking through in your life right now. He has a destiny set forth for you. This book, the Bible is a book of history that tells us the story of a creator God who created everything that we see. And this story talks about how humanity turned their back on their creator. And every Ever since the very beginning, the front pages of this book, God has set forth a plan to redeem his people back to himself. And he's calling you right now. If you don't know Jesus, he's calling you son and daughter, come home. You are mine. I have a destiny for you. I have a future for you. It is good. It is beautiful. And I want you. And it's not anything you've done. It's not anything you will do. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more than He does right now. He says, Come to me. Quit trying to play God. Quit trying to be your own God. Submit your life and your will to His and see what God does. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. That's what Easter means. That's what the resurrection means. That God has made a way for me and you. If you're not a Christian and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, I encourage you to do that today. But maybe you're here today and you already know Jesus. You've given your life to him. I would encourage you to press in Press in, take the gospel, hear the gospel, receive it, stand up for it. Live into the destiny that God has set aside for you. All of us play a part. That's one of the main things we've learned as we've gone through the book of 1 Corinthians is is God has given you gifts to use for his kingdom and for his glory and for your good and the good of his church. Press in to know him. If you don't know Jesus today and you want to know him, I'd invite you to pray with me right now. Let's all bow our heads and pray together. If you don't know Christ, pray this with me now if you want to know him. Dear Heavenly Father, I recognize that you are God and creator. I also recognize that I've fallen short of your perfect standard, but Jesus didn't. Lord, I ask for forgiveness of my sins and I thank you for the gift of your son Jesus who died for me. I receive salvation as a free gift and I put my faith in the work of Jesus Christ. Come and take my life and use it as you will and as I submit to your word and your will. In Jesus' name. If you're a Christian here, pray this with me. If you want to press in more to the Lord, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. I pray that you would make it more and more real to me each and every day. Change me, Father. Use me up for your kingdom. Reveal to me the gifts that you've placed in me for your glory. Help me to step out of my comfort zone and, and serve you in ways that I I have never served you before. Help me to talk to my neighbors, my family members, coworkers about the goodness of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Use me, Father. I am yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and sing a last song today. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me? Really excited about this song. I love it. It starts out, it says, Saturday was silent. Surely it was through. But since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you. Amen? Amen. Well, um, I wanted to let you know too that uh, next week we're starting our new sermon series. And it's called Thriving in a Corrupt Culture. We're gonna be going through the book of Daniel. where The pastors are real excited about going through that. So we invite you back next Sunday for Thriving in a Corrupt Culture. But let's worship the Lord as we close out our service today.